Hey everybody, welcome to episode 284 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung from Austin, Texas. Excited to be back with you after a week away on family vacation. Excited to get back into routine and excited to talk about my topic today. I'm going to be talking about the seasons of running, more specifically the seasons of a training cycle. I've talked before about how I periodize training if I'm building a cycle talking more specifically about the physical elements of training. But what I want to talk about today is actually the approach and mentality that you should have through each of those seasons of a training cycle. So shifting away from the training nuts and bolts for a moment to think about how you should have a a mental approach to each of those segments of training so that you're making sure that you're focused on the right things at the right time. And I think this is particularly good time for this episode because I know a lot of you are gearing up for fall races and we can talk about where you might be in your training relative to those goal races coming up and how you should be couching your training at this stage in the game. Again, not the physical nuts and bolts, but more the mentality in terms of how you should be thinking about your preparation. So we're going to go through that. We'll talk about all four seasons of, of a training cycle from the beginning of a cycle to that taper phase and how you should mentally approach each of those stages. And in addition, what are some of the other nuts and bolts of preparation you should be thinking about besides the actual workouts themselves or the mileage for the long runs that you might be doing? So we'll get to that topic in just a second. A couple of quick notes before I jump in. One, I wanted to mention, I've got a new partner as I alluded on my last episode, at the end of my last episode, and I'm excited to announce them today. I'm going to be working with Athletic Greens, which is a company that you may have heard of. It's essentially a multivitamin on steroids in liquid form. been using it for the last three weeks myself. Excited to talk a little bit more about that. I'll get to that mid-episode as well as I've got an offer code, of course, for you. So, Please join me in welcoming Athletic Greens to the Running Rogue podcast community. And also, before I jump into the main topic, I've got to mention a race that I saw on Twitter initially this week of Ailish McColgan finishing first with the gold medal at the Commonwealth Games in the 10,000 meters. Some of you may know that name, Ailish McColgan. I interviewed actually for episode 76 of the Clean Sport Collective podcast. She is a UK athlete, a British athlete who has competed in three Olympics, competed at all levels in the 1500, the steeple, the 5k, the 10,000 is moving up to the marathon in London this fall. She's an athlete who has done it the right way, comes from running royalty in a sense, and that her mom, Liz McColgan was one of the best in the world back in her day. But she's an athlete who does it the right way, who operates with the clean sport mentality and principles that you would expect who worked so hard, has had ups and downs in her career with major injuries, also had COVID and some injuries this year that led to a world champs performance that wasn't what she wanted, but she finally got her gold in a major world event at the Commonwealth Games this week in an absolutely epic race that ended in just an unbelievable final lap. So I would highly encourage you to go on Twitter. I'll find it and link a video in the show notes as well, but you got to watch her duking it out in the final lap with Irene Jeptai from Kenya, who was leading for most of that lap until Ailish came around in the final 100 
to secure the victory in just a gritty, gutsy performance, unbelievable grit. And you could hear the crowd and the deafening noise cheering them both on at that finish. Just a really cool event to watch because it represents everything you would want from our sport in terms of inspiration. And if if I could channel any small bit of the energy that they were channeling to dig deep to go for that victory in any of my races, I would be very, very pleased. But it gives you a picture of grid that I think you could take and translate to your own finishes and whatever finishes finish lines you may be chasing. But it also gives you somebody to root for Cause again, I think Alish is someone as a fan that you can invest in with confidence as someone who is doing it the right way, who is also just super nice person. So go, go check it out. Go check out that finish. Watch the video. I promise you'll be inspired. I've probably watched it 12 times myself this week and tear up a little bit each time knowing how much that meant to her. Incidentally, it was also the anniversary of her mother's Commonwealth Games victory in the 10,000 meters. So she's following in her mother's footsteps. Her mom was there in the stands cheering. They had a moment at the end during Ailish's victory lap too. That was pretty cool and powerful. So just so much wrapped up in that story that I think is inspiring. Highly recommend you go check it out. If you want a, an uplifting moment to watch on online this week. So go check it out and congrats to Ailish. Super inspired myself. Okay, so let's jump into our main topic. We're going to be talking about the seasons of running. You know, we have seasons in our weather right now. We're in a tough season of summer and it's hot, hotter than ever in many places, including hotter than ever in Austin, our warmest summer on record so far. But we also have seasons in running, and in this context, and I think we can talk about it probably if we're using that analogy in some slightly different ways, but in this context, I want to talk about the seasons of a training cycle and how, yes, you might have the mechanical differences between the training cycle periods in terms of what the workouts look like, how you're building, how you're actually stimulating the right physiological zones at the right time in order to get to a peak so that you can run as fast as you can when it matters. Yes, all that is true. And I've talked about it before on the show. We have the priming phase, typically leading into the strength phase, aerobic strength, where you're building endurance, leading into a race-specific phase where you're focused on executing race pace. Finally, ending with a taper phase where you're really trying to peak for the right day by pulling back a little bit on volume and intensity in order to be rested for the day that matters. So that is a good blueprint for the mechanical sides of training in terms of how we might structure workouts on those periods. But we don't often talk about mentality and how we should approach each of those periods from a perspective outside of the nuts and bolts of the workout. So that's what I wanna talk about today is as you step through a training cycle, and in particular, many of you are in the midst of them leading to up to fall races, how should your mentality change? How should your approach from a physical standpoint evolve? What the preparation focus might look like and shift as we work through those different seasons of a training cycle. So that's what I want to cover today is, again, not the nuts and bolts of each of those seasons or periods, but rather how your orientation and mindset and approach should evolve 
as you step through a training cycle. Just some reminders to make sure you're getting the most from your training as we go beyond just doing those workouts and getting the work done. So we'll step through it in the same order of a of a cycle. We're going to start with our first phase or season where we have the priming phase from a physical standpoint. I'm going to call this the start phase, start season from a mental approach standpoint. And the word I would have for you in this opening piece is that this phase, this season is all about routine. It's all about routine. If there was one word to think about in terms of your approach, it should be routine. But let's step into the elements around that. So again, priming phase, what are we doing from a physical standpoint, from a nuts and bolts of training standpoint? In that phase, we are building our base volume. We are also typically working priming-oriented speed workouts, which I call speed development workouts, where you're doing a little bit of speed, generally with longer recoveries, to try to make sure that that speed stays alive, but also to make sure that when you then shift to more difficult strenuous workouts as the cycle progresses, your body's ready for that. So keep that context in mind from a physical training standpoint. But then when we're starting, when we're getting going, how should the mental approach be? And again, one word routine, but I want to talk through the different components you should be thinking about in this opening season of your training. One of those things, of course, as I've talked about it many times in this podcast, is understanding purpose and goals. Understanding purpose and goals. And I, talk, I talked about it a little bit in last episode. I've talked about it. I've talked about it once. I've talked about it a thousand times. But especially at the beginning of a cycle, you want to make sure that you're dialed into your why. Why are you doing this? And you're dialed into what you want. What you want and why you want it. That will typically manifest in stump statement that is, I run because, and also I want this goal because. Those are the questions you want to make sure you're answering early in a cycle. So that's the overall mental approach that I want you to have is really orient yourself, orienting yourself to your purpose and your goals or the overall season, because if you don't establish those early on, it's going to be difficult to sustain inertia around your motivation as you go through the cycle, especially as those tough moments come. So purpose and goals. Then the next thing would be understanding how you can establish routine. And I'm not necessarily talking about the specific nuts and bolts of what days you run and how long you're running, but more I'm talking about constructing your life and priority set in a way that's going to allow that routine to be established and then sustained. Because something done consistently in running as well as with some of these other supplemental activities is going to ultimately, that's the variable that matters in getting your goals. Doing work consistently matters much more than the specifics of the work itself. So you've got to establish that routine. You've got to work through the barriers to establishing routine during this phase so that you can sustain that consistent routine. So what does that look like? That looks like breaking down your week 
understanding where the puts and takes are, finding those gaps where you can fit things in consistently. That looks like relying on and leaning into your support system to help you establish that routine from accountability partners who might be the ones doing the work with you to those other partners around you that might be supporting your work or perhaps doing some heavy lifting while you do your work. If you've got kids and family, then that might look like a a spouse partner or co-parent who's helping you establish routine around the kids that can then allow you to have your space to do what you want from a running perspective. But it could also mean work colleagues and telling them what you might need to actually get something done if that if that might have an impact on the work schedule or arrangement, for example. So I've got some athletes that might go for a run during lunch, for example. And so that could be a situation of saying, hey, work colleagues, I'm going to be blocked during these lunch hours to get a run in. So don't expect me to join you for lunch or to do meetings during lunch because that's going to be something that is earmarked for me to get my work in. Back when I was in management consulting, we would have these team meetings, all project-based work, but we would have these team meetings in advance of a project starting where we would talk about our lifestyle goals outside of the project and what the team could do to support those. And for that environment, I was traveling typically to my project. So I would leave Monday, come back Thursday night, typically sometimes Friday. And that didn't necessarily, if you weren't planning for it, leave a lot of space for a good workout and running routine. But I actually did two half Ironmans, triathlons during that time, my my time in that world. And I did several marathons because what I would do in those sessions with my team is set the expectation that I was going to get my workout in, my run in on a daily basis. And for me at the time, I was an evening runner. And so I told him, I said, look, I may not be doing going out with team dinners on the road. I may be going to do a run instead, could join you guys potentially later or potentially do work later in the hotel if needed. But I would always prioritize and make time for that daily run or workout. And I did that by setting the expectation up front. Hard to do it in the midst of things hard to set those expectations or even adjust those expectations once they're established. But if you do it up front and ask for help, most of the time people will be supportive and buy in because they get it. They want you to get your goals. They're typically going to be supportive if you communicate. So whether it be family members, partners, work colleagues, running partners, work with that support network as well to establish that routine and and then keep it keep it at all cost lock it in even if you have to make tough tough choices or tough trade-offs so that's another piece during this opening training piece is figuring out that routine another thing that you want to be doing from an orientation standpoint during this this starting season is establishing the tool set that you're going to bring to bear in the training cycle generally. Getting the gear that you might need to to be successful from a shoe standpoint. If you've never been fitted for running shoes, go to a running store, get fitted for running shoes, find a pair or pairs that are going to work for you and keep you healthy throughout the cycle. 
figure out what your supplemental tools are, whether that be a foam roller, perhaps a Theragun or other electronic massage tool, perhaps the apparel that you might need to wear during the training cycle, the anti-chafing product. Establish that list of things. If you think ahead to your race day and you think about what are all the things that I'm going to need to execute on race day and then to prepare for race day, and you make a little inventory of those things, this season, this part of the training cycle is the time to get those things to start to figure it out. That doesn't mean you'll have it all dialed in because we certainly have to experiment and practice. And we'll talk about that in later seasons of the cycle. But this is a time when you want to do your homework, do your research and get those things or at least get the first try or experiment with those things so that you can then put it to work, see how it works for you. And then, of course, iterate. So get those physical items of gear that you're going to need. And that's also going to include things like your, your daily hydration tools. You know, if I think about this summer and I talked about it in my last episode, if you're starting training right now, now is the time to understand what you need from a daily hydration standpoint. So get those gear things, at least the initial iteration of them so that you can then experiment with and make adjustments and have plenty of time to do it before you get to race day. Okay, now a couple of other notes here. One related to the schedule and routine is you do want to look ahead and do a little bit of forecasting, obviously lay out what your training cycle might look like, but then also make sure you're working in and adapting proactively on those areas where you might have interference whether it be a trip, perhaps a vacation you have planned, a weekend wedding you have to travel to, circle those spots and think now about how you might adjust for those things so you can stay ahead of it. Because you know most of the time we can adjust in real time if something pops up, but it's always better if you can do it well in advance. And then lastly, what I want to talk about is how you should think about your effort during this window of time. Now remember, we're in, the, we're in the priming phase, so we're building base, volume, doing a little bit of speed. The most important thing right now is establishing that routine, being consistent, and staying healthy so that when you get to the next phase where the, quote, real work begins in the strength phase, then you're primed and ready to go, right? And so what does that mean? That means getting in the runs, with the least possible resistance, the least possible resistance, taking those runs super easy to check the box on your volume, doing the workouts with an eye towards conservatism so that you don't stress the body too much as you prime and as you build in. Certainly, you might end up doing some faster work, but you're going to make sure you're on the conservative side of that, especially when it comes to recovery windows and how you feel in terms of the number of reps that you might be doing. So essentially in this phase, it's all about checking the boxes. I would like to think that your runs are essentially pass fail at this stage. If you do them, check, got it done, perfect. You don't do them, that's an empty box. But either way, it's pass fail. There's no nuanced grading scale at this stage. It's all about getting those runs in, being consistent with them, and making sure that the body is strong and healthy 
before you take a step into the next season. So check the box. Think about the runs in this phase as pass fail and don't put yourself in any sort of danger in any of the training in this part of the season. Otherwise, again, you might end up with injury that's going to compromise the work to come. So that's where we are with this starting phase. It's all about establishing that routine, doing it in a way that's sustainable and just gets you to that next season. So what's what's next? So then we go into the aerobic strength phase. Again, aerobic strength, another word for that is endurance, not to be confused with muscular strength. This is your ability, working on your ability to sustain, to sustain slightly uncomfortable paces for longer and longer periods of time, which obviously in a race that's longer than really two miles, then that becomes important, especially important for the half marathon and the marathon. So this season in the strength phase, and again, what we're working on here is endurance, our ability to sustain pace. So typically what we'll see is a lot of effort-based blocks of work where you're doing tempo or steady aerobic threshold type work. We're also typically working hills in this segment to also work on a little bit of um, leg muscular strength and power, but hills also help us work on endurance as well in a way that's really safe. So that's the context. So what is it from a mental approach standpoint? This season is all about building. It's all about building. And just to put this quickly into context, if we're thinking about a 20-week cycle for a half marathon or a marathon, for example, the priming phase is going to typically fall somewhere between weeks 16 and 20 if we're using 20 weeks as just a well-rounded number and example. The strength phase is going to fall between weeks 10 to 15 or so. And that's where we are, where we're going to be from a building standpoint. So you're building, you're putting those building blocks together so that when we get to the race specific phase, you're really ready to dial in. And so while you're building, so two words, in this case, two words I want you to think about is it's all about volume and consistency. Season one, starting, all about establishing routine. Building, it's all about volume and consistency, taking that routine and putting it to consistent work to build volume. So what else? What else does that mean in in these weeks where we're working on aerobic strength or our ability to hold paces? It also means that from a general standpoint, I want you to stay far away from the edge. So that first season is pass-fail. This season, we start to maybe get into some nuanced grading systems where you might actually bring in some letter grades, but no pluses or minus. We got A, B, C, D, F, but no pluses or minuses, no 91s versus 97s, none of that subtlety. This is where we're getting big letter grades that might span a 10-point scale so that it's not too nuanced. But we still, in the context of that, want to keep you far away from the edge. Certainly do the work, work as hard as prescribed, and of course, no more. But when in doubt, you want to choose the conservative path when you have a question. Always, always live to run another day during this phase versus pushing to the edge and trying to seek that peak 
in this building season. So build your volume and consistency and when in doubt, stay well away from the edge. I'm a big believer that when it comes to peaking, part of it is in how we approach each of these seasons. You know, people ask me all the time, well, how do you get someone to the right peak in timing? And certainly there is a nuts and bolts, physical training part of that. But I think equally, there's a mental approach part of that. And when you're being conservative, choosing maybe one fewer rep than prescribed or slightly backing off pace when your body's feeling it too much, when you're making those conservative choices, it's a signal to your body to stay itself away from the edge. But when you start to press it, and we'll talk about getting to the edge in the next season, when you start to press, that's when the body is on alert, knows that something's coming and starts to to prepare itself in that sort of flight or flight flight or fight way for going for it as you approach that big race. So this is a part of that. You control your peak in many ways by having this approach where you're staying away from the edge when you're still pretty far, 10 to 15 weeks away from the edge from an actual rough training standpoint. So when in doubt, stay away from the edge. That being said, you still want to do the work as consistently as you can. As I said, volume and consistency matters in this block of training. Just because you've got 10 to 15 weeks to go doesn't mean that those runs matter less. They matter in some ways more because you're, you're taking the benefit of this block of training where volume and consistency matters most. And then you're passing that on to the next phase again, which we'll talk about in a second, where you're trying to deal with your race-specific work, and that's where quality and precision actually matters more and volume and consistency matters on the margin a little bit less. So this is the phase where getting those runs in matters more than anything. And so you want to make sure you're as consistent with your volume as possible. Do the work. Don't let it slack just because you think I'm 10 to 15 weeks away. So that's another point. Then as we get to this conversation about prep, we talked in that first season as you start about getting all the stuff you might need. Well, this is the phase when you want to start putting all of that stuff to work and then iterating on it and practicing with it and then making adjustments as needed. So for example, to be specific, Race day nutrition is a huge part of the equation in this phase that I want you to be trying to figure out. The goal for me, for any athlete, if possible, is to know by the end of this phase exactly what they're going to be using for their race day in-run nutrition by experimenting with it up until that point through the long runs. And every long run over two hours is an opportunity to practice. So you want to take that stuff you bought the gels, the goos, the the you can, whatever it may be, the Morton, and practice it, put it to work, see what works for you, iterate on it, and in an ideal scenario, have it dialed in and decided by the end of this season. It's okay if you don't have it dialed in because you'll still have more time, but if you have a little bit of urgency around it, then it'll hopefully help position you because the sooner you can dial it in, the better. And then once you dial it in, 
especially for those that are in this long term, then it's not necessarily going to change a whole lot. I've been personally using the same essential nutrition strategy in my big races since 2013. And I'm a big believer in it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This isn't that complicated. So I haven't largely adjusted it since that time because I know it's working for me. And so once you find it, then this becomes really simple. But until you do, you want to keep experimenting, working with it until you can get that fully dialed in. And if you're doing that for race day nutrition, then the same applies for experimenting with footwear, apparel that you might wear, the other tools you might use from body chafing uh, tools to your foam roller. Put all that stuff to work. This is a time to experiment with it. And then if something's not working, move on from it. Try something else. Iterate as much as possible, as quickly as you can. And if you're struggling with that, I would say reach out and find help. And that can come in the form of help from a coach, could come in the form of help from a partner in your training group. It could come in the form of going to a running store and asking them questions about some of these items because most of them are experts on it as well. So experiment with and dial in to your gear and especially put a big, bold, highlighted section on that race day nutrition component because I do think it's such a critical element of ultimately getting the result you want, especially for those marathoners. And then the last thing I'll say here with this phase is that you may be at a point where you're starting to work hard, especially in the later parts of this season, where you're starting to work hard, you're starting to get some fatigue, you're starting to maybe hurt or have little niggles. And especially in the summer, it can be difficult to maintain mentally that inertia. So obviously, as always, keep that purpose and goal front and center to keep you motivated and driven. But I also want to remind people that if race day still feels far away at this stage, that's okay. Don't worry about it too much. Keep your head down and just simply ask yourself, what do I need to do today to take the next step forward in training? Do that thing on that day and then keep moving forward one day at a time. It's certainly a bit cliche, but I promise you it works. Got to put your head down. Ask yourself, what do I need to do next? What do I need to do today? What's the run on my schedule today? Do that thing and then just keep taking steps forward. Because when race day, when it starts to feel like a grind in training and race day feels still, still feels far away, that's one trick I use to just simply stay focused by putting those blinders on and just doing the next thing. Because sometimes it can feel like, man, I don't know when I'm ever going to get there. But that's a way to keep yourself laser focused on the things that matter in the very near term. So that's the second season. Stay away from the edge. Focus on volume and consistency. And then figure out your gear in a way that hopefully takes you into that race-specific phase so that you have it dialed in. So those are two seasons. We'll talk next about the third season, which I'm going to call dialing in. We start, we have starting, building, dialing in, but I'll get to that in a second. First, I want to talk about my new partnership, which I'm very excited about with Athletic Greens. 
If I had to summarize what Athletic Greens is, it's a drink that you have daily that has essentially, it's essentially a multivitamin on steroids. It's got 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens that help keep you healthy and also help keep your body ready to perform as a runner. I actually came across Athletic Greens earlier this year about six months ago when I happened on a run with Tina Muir, who hosts the Running For Real podcast, and she invited her friend and a partner of hers, um, because she works with Athletic Greens as well, John Korn. John is actually their chief revenue officer. So I actually asked him about it. Tell me about this Athletic Greens stuff, because I was curious. I've seen it a lot through the years, and I've been curious, especially now as I've had started taking a multivitamin. And so I asked him about it. He gave me the full story and background. And I walked away actually really intrigued because it's made with high quality ingredients. It has all the things I've been trying to get by taking a multivitamin plus other things like a superfood complex that helps get other micronutrients into your body. It's also formulated for absorption so that you can actually use everything that's included in the drink. So really, really impressed and now happy to be in partnership with them. I've been taking it for the last three weeks. My typical routine is to get up, go for my run, come back, have Athletic Greens, then eat breakfast afterwards. It has a relatively neutral, but I would consider refreshing flavor. Some people might call it tropical, but it's very mild tropical flavor. So it tastes good. It's easy to put back. It's not like drinking from a salad, drinking a salad like you might see with some of these dr- green drinks. So really actually enjoy taking it back. And so far, I feel great taking it and I'm excited to recommend it to you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, so it's not a lot of calories and it costs less than $3 a day. So it's less than a latte from Starbucks. So Highly recommend that you check it out if you're looking to get that sort of nutritional insurance that you might think about when you're taking something like a multivitamin. So I've got an offer here for you. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Rogue is spelled R-O-G-U-E as a reminder, as some people often mess that up. So go check it out and take advantage of that offer from them. I'll also include that in the show notes to make it easy for you. All right, let's get back to my conversation about the seasons of running, the seasons of a training cycle. We're going to be talking about the next season, which I'm going to call dialing in, but this is your race specific phase of work. This is when you're really trying to dial into target race pace. This will typically be about four to nine weeks out from race day. So for those of you that might be racing in the early fall, September, October timeframe, this is you. It's time to really get dialed in. So what are the things to think about in this phase? Again, during This phase on the physiological side, we're really dialing into a couple of things, running a lot of race pace specific work, also doing some faster than race pace specific work in order to make race pace feel easier. So that's what we're doing on the physiological side. So what does it look like in terms of how you should approach this from a mental prep 
side of things. First of all, this means that we're in that window where you're supposed to get dialed in. As I mentioned, this is where you want to prioritize precision in your training and then taking the extra time needed on recovery as you press the body a little bit harder than during this time. Because when in doubt, this is when we're finding the edge. We're pressing in those harder moments versus backing away and being conservative. Obviously, you don't want to overdo it, and so it's all about riding that fine line. But in general, when in doubt, you're you're trying to be more specific with your pacing, you're trying to find that edge, and you're pushing in those hard moments to really harden yourself to those tough moments that might come on race day. So that's the mentality that you want to have here. And so if we were focused on volume and consistency in the last phase when you were building, now we're focused on quality and precision in this phase when it comes to the pacing. In addition, during this block of training, you might be actually potentially reducing volume a little bit. Yes, all of those runs are important, but what's more important is actually the quality work. So if you're having to make some trade-offs in order to get the quality in the way you need to or in order to feel good on the quality side the way you need to. This is when you might choose to get in all of those normal runs but potentially pull back volume on some days as your body needs it in order to get that little bit of extra recovery. So again, here we are dialing in. You're finding that edge. You're pressing the edge when in doubt during this phase. You're thinking about quality and precision versus that big emphasis on volume and consistency like you had in the last phase. This is also when you're going you're gonna to want to figure out all of those details related to race day execution. So while you hopefully have figured that out in the last phase, if you haven't, this is the time to put the finer points on that, dot your I's and cross your T's, because by the time you get to the next phase, the taper, you're going to want to have everything figured out. So you're going to want to dial into race day nutrition specifically. And each long run here is, again, a chance to experiment with that. If you haven't fully dialed in, make those final adjustments in order to figure it out. Same thing for other race day executional elements from what you're going to be wearing, both in terms of apparel, but also footwear to also whatever you might be using for anti-shaving product and all the things that are going to get you in position to run your best on race day. So make those final tweaks, dial in. If you haven't already figured it out from the last phase, then you want to make sure with a sense of urgency that you're working on those things now. And if you're still far away from it for whatever reason, that's when I would highly recommend consulting with somebody who can help point you in the right direction and hopefully shortcut that experimentation process, whether that be a coach or whether that be popping into a local running store, telling them where you are, telling them what you've tried and help and having them help you perhaps accelerate that learning process so that you can get all these things figured out in these final weeks before you get to that taper mode. So figure out all that race day execution stuff, nutrition, gear, etc., and make sure you've got that dialed in because in an ideal world, in your final big long runs, perhaps ones, ones that include race pace, you're going to be able to make those full dress rehearsal opportunities where you do everything as you would on race day in those final big long runs so that, again, 
you're making you're able to make those final tweaks and adjustments based on what's fully working and what's not. So make sure you're doing all of that. You also want to check back to your long run schedule and circle those important days in the coming weeks in this final block of race specific training so that you can really put a bubble around those days. Typically in this phase of training, I like to have for my runners to have at least two big long runs with quality, including one that's going to be two to three weeks out from race day, depending on whether they're doing the, ma- the marathon or the half marathon. And those big long runs with quality work inside them, with pace work inside them are really, really important as the final icing on the cake, the cherry on top of all of the training to this point. So you want to look ahead, really remind yourself what days those are going to be and put a big circle around those on the calendar, put a bubble around them from an execution standpoint so that when you get to those days, you're trying to create a little bit of buffer in terms of life stress as well. Those are the days where you want to let your partner know, let your friends know that you're drawing on a circle around those days and you're not going to necessarily go out with your friends. You're going to get extra sleep leading into them. You're going to treat those days as you would race day so that you can go in fully prepared, fully rested, fully recovered with plenty of stress buffer around them so that it's as stress-free as possible pre and post so that you can focus as much on execution of those days as you would on race day and so that post those runs and workouts you can have that buffer needed to recover as well of course i get it life happens sometimes you can't make that situation happen perfectly but to the extent that you can and tapping into that support system that we talked about in the first phase make sure that they can in this window give you a couple of big long runs where you can take the stress off, really focus on you, focus on your training and make sure that you can get the most from those runs. Doesn't mean you have to have them go perfect. In fact, as a coach, I kind of like it when they don't because there's always lessons to be learned when things aren't perfect, but you still want to give yourself the best possible scenario to execute those runs in a way that's going to prepare you to the max for race day itself. So make sure you're doing that. You're kind of creating a buffer zone around those big final runs, long runs, but even quality workouts so that you can execute them to the best of your ability leading into race day. And then from a mental standpoint, in addition in this block of training, this is when it's time to really start to hone the mental toolkit that you're going to be using for race day as well. This is when I like people to reflect back on the purpose that you established in that first season, as well as the goals that you were thinking about at that time, and then really start to dial in what that means for race day itself. Because now you've got training runs, training results, perhaps some prep races in the quiver that you can then look to and say, hey, where am I at? How does that gel with the goals that I set in advance? What do I want to do in terms of target race time? How does that connect back to the purpose that I started with so that you can remember why you're doing this and then start to put together around that all the different mental tools that you're going to bring to bear on race day. Those will include, obviously, making sure you're connected to the purpose, 
getting your mantras dialed in as I talked about in last episode, rhythm mantras, fight mantras, bringing your other mental toolkit elements to bear that you might be executing on race day. Also, this is a time when I really want to see people start to do visualization for race day, basically running the race in your mind's eye so that by the time you get to the race itself, you've already done it in a sense. There's science that tells us that visualizing doing the work in advance of doing the work actually prepares you for it, actually gives your body some sort of muscle memory so that when you're actually doing it, it's almost as if you've done it before. So visualize the race, start to finish. Personally, I don't do it all in one go. I'll do it in little bits and pieces where I might visualize over a short recovery run, I might visualize in my head those opening miles, that start line experience and what it's going to feel like and, and what the the senses are going to detect and the emotion and adrenaline that's going to come on that start line and then carry that through the opening miles, starting conservatively, dialing into my plan, finding a rhythm within the context of the race, visualizing the things that I will see, hear, smell, experience, the energy that I will feel in those opening miles, I'll do that perhaps on a run. Then I'll pick different chunks as I go through these final weeks and visualize it in each of those chunks. In the middle of the race, that'll include me visualizing having tr- struggles, trying to anticipate what might be hard and how I might work through that using the mantras and mental tools that I've already thought about. Then of course it Then I'll take that all the way to the finish line itself, visualizing me getting to that line with the goal time that I want on my watch and on the gun and the victory in hand so that you have that positive association with the visualization as well. So do all of those things. Start to pull together your mental toolkit. Certainly you'll have time to refine that in the final phase of of the training and taper as we'll talk about next. But this is the time to really put all of those pieces together so that you know exactly what you're working with and, frankly, so that you can practice using some of those tools in those final big runs as well. So this block of training this season is all about dialing in, pushing the edge when in doubt, and then dialing into all those pieces in terms of how you're going to use your gear and the mental ways you're going to come fully to bear on race day itself. So that's what this season's about. Get dialed in that four to nine week out range from race day. Then the last season, season four, this is the taper in terms of how the training schedule is structured. But I really think about this as the peaking phase, the peaking season when you're trying to get to be in the very best position to execute on race day itself. Taper mode will typically be two to three weeks for marathoners, perhaps one to two weeks for half marathoners. And this is the time when you're backing off on the volume, pulling back a little bit on intensity so that you can rest the body and make sure that it's primed and ready to go for race day. Again, typically that's one to three weeks depending on what you're racing. And it's a time when we usually keep the routine of our running, but we cut back the volume and we pull back the intensity just a little bit so that by the time you get to the day that matters, your body is fresh and ready to go. 
Now, of course, those of you who have been through a taper before know that it's not necessarily an easy phase of training. It's perhaps one of the more difficult ones, not necessarily physically, but mentally, because your body is used to the grind of training and suddenly you're pulling back and you just start to feel weird and you also start to feel like you should be doing more and and pushing the edge like you have been throughout the training cycle. And so we have what I like to call taper madness. <laughs> it's when we get a little bit wonky in the head because we're just we're just anxious and everything starts to feel wrong. The body doesn't feel necessarily that great because it's in recovery mode and the mind starts to play tricks on us and and really lets all those doubts sink in in advance of race day. So it's a tough, tough block of the training mentally. And I've done this for marathons at least 20 times. And I can tell you every single time I have some form of taper madness kick in. And I don't think that ever goes away, but you do get better at dealing with it. And so that's what's sort of happening behind the scenes. And then the question is, okay, from an approach and a mental standpoint, how should I be thinking about the peaking phase? The peaking phase from a mental orientation standpoint is all about getting to the top of the mountain. It's all about making sure your body's in the best position to execute when it matters. And that means that you're generally in this phase of training, less is more. You're pulling back a little bit because you want the body to have that space to recover and be at it its best when it matters. So you're pulling back. And so the mindset in general is a little bit like it was during that build phase, the strength phase of training, that second block. Because in that phase, you're also, when in doubt, pulling back. Pretty much the same in the taper mode. When in doubt, you pull back a little bit because the hard work is done. The hay is in the barn, as we like to say. Once you get within 10 days of your target race, there's actually nothing you can do to to affect your race day fitness in a positive way because it takes about 10 days for fitness adaptations to happen. All you can do at that point is actually screw it up by overdoing it or pushing your body beyond its limits so that it's not recovered and ready for race day. So you're going back to that build phase or build season mentality where when in doubt, you're pulling away from the edge, you're making those conservative choices. From a preparation standpoint, you're dialing in all the final details. This is sort of like the phase right before a party or a wedding where you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's. You're taking all the plans that have been laid in the mac- at the macro level and even at the micro level in advance. And now you're filling in all the little gaps. You may have already had the seeding chart done in the prior season, but now you're moving people around a little bit as RSVPs change and things like that or perhaps as, as new guests get added to the list. So you're, you're really making those fine-tune, fine-tuning moves on all of your plans to this stage. Little adjustments here and there in terms of all your gear planned, your nutrition planned, your plans around how you're going to, to get to the start line, park, have dinner the night before, all those logistical elements that are there coming for race day. You're fine-tuning all those pieces. You're looking at parking and stuff like that. If you're driving, you're looking at shuttle schedules or whatever it may be. So you're fine-tuning all of the details 
but hopefully all the big decisions are made in advance of this phase. And then the same thing with your mental prep. You're fine-tuning those details. You're looking at your mental toolkit in terms of the mantras that you've used in the last phase and what's worked and what didn't work. And you're making little adjustments there or maybe even considering adding something new to the mix that might resonate with you. You're continuing to visualize. You're continuing, continuing to put your mind's eye to the race and executing it in your head in advance of race day. You're going back to the purpose that you started with. You're reminding yourself why you did this, why you're doing this, because you want that to be very top of mind when you go to that start line. And then a last piece that I like to do during this block of training is find something that's an overarching inspiration for you that helps really reinforce your purpose in whatever way makes sense. And so that could be finding a book that's going to be inspirational. It could be, be, could be finding a TV show or movie that's going to be inspirational that dovetails with your reason for doing it, with your purpose, but that helps really reinforce in a positive way what you're doing. Can also That type of thing can also be a nice welcome distraction to whatever chaos might be in your brain around race day nerves and things like that. So find something inspirational to read, to watch, to distract yourself, but also inspire you as you step towards, towards race day itself. Finally, my last recommendation for this block is to make sure you're reflecting on the training that you've done looking back at that training log to reinforce the work that you've done as a reminder that you should be confident going into race day, but also to remember that there's always training results and racing results. And in an ideal world, they sing a happy song together and you get the great training and then the great race and it all syncs up, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think it's important to remember that, that the training always counts regardless of whether the race day went the way you wanted to. And of course, that could be for reasons outside of your control, like bad weather or whatever it may be. So make sure you reflect on that work that you've done and the wins that you can already claim before race day even happens. Those training wins, they're going to be carried with you regardless of how race day goes. So just make sure you spend some time reflecting on that, not only to build confidence to say, hey, I've done the work and I'm ready, but also to remember that regardless of how the race day itself goes, You've got plenty of good work under your belt that's going to pay off down the road no matter what. So there you go. Those are my seasons of a training cycle. We've got starting, building, dialing in, and peaking, and different ways to approach each of those from a mental orientation, mental orientation standpoint. I hope that was helpful for you as you get ready for fall races, which are going to be here before we know it. So thanks for listening. As a reminder, you can redeem that Athletic Greens code by going to athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel, travel packs with your first purchase. Otherwise, I will wrap this episode here. As always, you can also check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.